gives you understanding, and the Holy Spirit seals you, making you him, making you um, uh, His. Last week, we talked about the idea that Paul prays, and it's unique because Paul prays for the people, and one of the things that he prays for is wisdom and understanding, and he wants the people to understand a few things, and we're going to get into those things this morning, and there's actually four things we're going to focus on, and there are four things that Paul says, I want you to understand these principles, and, and he ties them back, actually many of them are tied back to the things that we've already talked about, so uh, let's jump into it. We'll walk through the passage, and then we'll get to how it applies to us as we go throughout the week. So here, starting in Ephesians chapter 1, um, here's what he says. We talked about this last week, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So Paul says, I, I really want you to be able to see and understand and embrace some things, and he's going to list them, and here they are. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. That's the first thing. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? That's the second thing. What is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? That's the third thing. And he's going to go on in a little bit more depth here. And and notice what he says in verse 20. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but and that which is to come. And then he goes on, uh, and he ends it by saying this. And he deals with the fourth thing, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. That's interesting. This is the first time in the book of Ephesians the church is mentioned, um, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all. So, um, guys, go back to the first, uh, that first section, and we'll walk through this just step by step. So here's what he says. He says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. The first thing Paul writes to these people and says, look, I want you to understand the hope that you have in Christ. Now he's already listed all of these things, but he said, I want you to understand that that, because of what God has done and because God has called you, you as a believer, you as a Christian can have hope. Um, That is an incredible concept, particularly in light of the week that we've had here. Um, You know, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to throw in the towel. You have watched this week in our our world as, as two people took their own lives because they had no hope. They gave up hope. And hope is one of those things that we take for granted. But Paul says, I want you to understand that God has called you, and so God has a future. There is a plan. There is a purpose beyond this, just what you're going through right now. And that gives us hope for what is to come. And we'll talk about that as, as we go, uh, as we get to the end here. And then he goes on and he says, and what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints? Bible commentators debate this right here. And, and, and here's the question. They don't know if what Paul is saying is, they think he's saying one of two things. I think he's saying both things. So uh, I'm just going to go in the middle, uh, right down the, the middle of it. Here's the question. Is Paul saying here that as a saint, as a child of God, you need to take advantage of the riches and the inheritance that you have in Christ? Or is Paul saying because you are, our inheritance to Jesus Christ, 
You need to act that way. In other, words, in other words, what's Paul saying? Is Paul saying the riches of Christ are for you, or is he saying you are for Christ? So you, you need to live your life in such a way that you, you appreciate and enjoy the things that God has for you. Or is he saying God has seen you as his inheritance, and because you are his inheritance, go out and, and, and be, be his inheritance in the world? That's the, the question. So in other words, uh, I like to say it this way. Are you the inheritance of Christ, so go act like it? Or are you, ha, do you understand the inheritance that you have in Christ, so use it? That's the question. So the question is, is it for, for God to use you, or is it for you to use the things that God has offered you? That's the struggle that commentators have with this passage. I think it's both. When we get to the application part of it, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of tie that together a little bit. But then he goes on and he says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Um, this passage has some important words for us, the, the idea of power, okay? In the Greek language, the word is dunamis. Does that sound familiar to anybody? How about the word dynamite? It's where we get it from. Because what Paul is saying is, the kind of power that you have accessible to you as a Christian is just like dynamite. Um, going on, notice what he says in verse 20. Um, he keeps on with this idea. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. He said, you need to understand, see that word worked? You know, where we, you know, you know what the word is, we, our English word, that we get from the Greek word that's here? Energy. Paul says, you need to understand the the energy and the power that was working in Christ when God raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Now think about this for a minute. This book is written about 60 AD, somewhere in there. Jesus Christ goes to the cross about 33, 32 AD, somewhere in there. So we're talking about within 30 years time, People who may have actually seen Christ over in Jerusalem, if they're visiting that area. Paul now is saying he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I want you to think about somebody that you know that's been gone for 30 years. Okay? Got a name in your head somewhere? I mean, I understand if you're 30, that's tough. But um, for those, most of the rest of us, you know, think of somebody who's been gone, you know, at least 30 years. Okay? Can you imagine me coming to you and saying, hey, look, I want to tell you about them right now. They're seated at the right hand of the throne of God and angels are underneath their authority. I mean, we're not talking about somebody way, way, way back in history. We're talking about somebody who, for this group, when this thing was written, was fairly current. And Paul is saying, and again, he's writing to a group in Ephesus. And what do you have in Ephesus? You have this whole mysterious, you have these, these little, little temples to all these gods that every time you went to the market, you, you walked right by. I mean, you know, it, it, it would be like, it would be like going to, it would be like, the modern day analogy would be, let's say you're going to go to Walmart this week, and you park in the parking lot, and as you're walking up to the doors to go into Walmart, there are, there are pop-up tents to ten gods as you walk from your car into the front door. And there's a God for everything. There's a God for the rain, and there's a God for too much heat, and there's a, 
There, and, and this God is, because right now we're having a little bit too much rain for some of the farmers, we got to go pray to that God that, that he would back off of the rain thing. And then a week ago, we were praying to the sun God that he would like be merciful to us because it's hot, you know, and, and we need this for the crop deal. And, and, and you're constantly trying to appease the God. And the constant argument is that God's bigger than that God. So, so we want the rain God to overtake the sun God. And Paul is writing to these people, he's going, the God that you worship, Jesus Christ, the, the, the one that you are in, in Christ, that has redeemed you and forgiven you, and is pouring blessings upon you, that God, he now sits at the right hand of the throne of God above all of it. And he goes on to say this, far above principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come. He said, not only is that God reigning now, that God's going to reign forever. And then notice what he says at the end, verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. He's the one to send control, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul says, you need to understand that God is in control of this thing. And Paul's writing to encourage these people. So with that in mind, let's talk about some things that help us as we go throughout the week, some things that um, apply as, as, as Paul's trying to get these people to understand some of this stuff. Here's the idea. First thing, hope is essential to you going forward in the Christian life. The one thing that you're going to have to be careful of as circumstances and situations come into your life is that you don't lose hope. As a Christian... One word that you need to remove from your vocabulary is hopeless. There's no situation, there's no circumstance that is hopeless. Hope is very, very important. You have watched this week as two people who look very successful in our culture take their lives because ultimately they lost hope. They saw nothing past the circumstance or the situation that was overwhelming to them. And the reality of it is that is a real issue, not just in our world, but among Christians as well. It's easy sometimes to lose focus. It's easy sometimes to get so overwhelmed with your circumstances and your situation that before you know it, all you can see is an end. You can't see anything past that. And it's easy to do. And there may be some of you that you're in that situation right now. Let me talk just for a second. We'll get to the Bible part of it in a minute, but let me talk from just a human standpoint for a minute. One of the things that I think is important is that you are able to look back on your life and see it in perspective. And if you'll think about this for a minute, go back to, and for some of you, we're going way back. Go back to when you were in high school. You remember how important it was that that person liked you? You remember how important it was that that person gave you attention because your whole world was about that person? You got through that, didn't you? You remember, for those of you who went to college, when you would have all of those exams just stacked up one after another and you didn't know how you were even going to get through the semester or pass or if you'd have to take it over or 
you, you, you were able to get through that, weren't you? You remember how when you got your first job and you walked into your first job and it was just so overwhelming? You didn't know if you were going to be able to pull it all off. And it was just like life was so hard. But you got through it, didn't you? I remember maybe when you walked in and they handed you a pink slip because things changed. All of a sudden, you didn't know how you were going to make it, but you did. You remember how you bumped up, those of you who are parents, you remember, some of you remember all too vividly because you're in the middle of it, um, two-year-olds? Or you remember diapers? Somehow, you got through it, right? You remember, those of you who have kids, teaching them to drive? My wife got through it. You know? You know? She's like, hey, they are not learning from you, man. That is one thing. I, they will drive with me, and they are not going to learn from you. Um, you got through it, didn't you? Remember when you got married, and you're like, oh, marriage is so... You, you, you got through it, didn't you? Um... You know, yeah. no, we don't need personal testimony time. Um, no, I mean, you know, you know, you got through it, right? You remember when you had people who were very, very important in your life and you lost them? And you didn't know how you were going to go on? And some of you are still in the middle of that? And you didn't know how, but somehow you took one day and you put one foot in front of another and you kept getting up and... It's still hard, and it's still, in some cases, fresh, and it still, it, it, it still hurts your heart. But somehow, some way, you've managed to get through it. You remember how all of a sudden you had your health one way, and then this came, and your health is, went south in another way, and you didn't know how you were going to handle all that, but somehow you were able to manage through it. You see... What's important for us to understand, and this is what Paul's saying, is that that's why I think it's very, very important that you keep some kind of journal or some kind of, of list or some kind of things of ways that you've seen God take care of you. Because honestly, there's times that, you know what, I mean, I'll be honest with you, it, circumstances and situations got so overwhelming for my wife and I that I'd love to tell you I just prayed my way through it. But you know what? I didn't feel like praying, didn't want to pray, didn't care about praying. I opened the Word of God, and you know what it did for me? Absolutely nothing. It would have been better to go read the Wall Street Journal because I got about as much out of it. In fact, there are times I didn't even want to pick it up. But what I have found is that even in some of the darkest times that we've had, I've been able to go back, and I've looked at my wife, and we, this is a phrase we go back to often in our lives. For some reason... God has always gotten us through every situation. He has never abandoned us. Why would he start now? And I've been able to go back and look at ways that, that God got us through it. And I know that he'll continue to do that. Because it's so important that you don't lose hope. One of my favorite passages, and one of the passages that... Um, you want to preach, here's a passage to preach at my funeral, all right? Here it is, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 
One of my, the whole chapter. I like the whole chapter, but I'm just going to zero in on the end of it. Here's what Paul said. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed day by day. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Paul says, look, don't lose hope. I know you're tired. I know you're exhausted. I know you want to throw in the towel. I know you want to quit. I know you want to do that. But inwardly, God can work and do something here. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He said, you're looking at the moment. God's looking at eternity. And God's going to use this moment to impact eternity. Yes, for you, it is huge. But when you put it against eternity, this becomes so, so important. And this becomes minimal. And he goes on to say, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporary. Whatever you're going through, whatever burden, whatever overwhelming thing that you think is hopeless is temporary. But things which are not seen are eternal. You don't know how God is going to take what you're going through right now and use it in light of eternity. And what Paul is saying here is same thing to these people in Ephesus. Guys, look, you have a hope in your calling. God has a purpose and a plan, and God will use it. And you may not understand it while you're here, but in eternity, it will make sense. Don't lose that hope. And that's important for us to understand, because sometimes we miss that. And we get so caught up in our world, and our pain, and our hurt, and our difficulties, and our struggles, that we miss the idea that God can use it in ways that we have no understanding or concept of. And Paul is praying for these people, saying, look, I want you to understand there's something bigger at play here. And then he goes on and he talks about um, this idea, not just this idea of don't lose hope, but this idea here of access what you have. Um, He talks about the riches of his glory. Uh, you know, I, I go back to, I'm trying to think of an illustration of something that, that we're, com- we're comfortable with. You know, it's your cell phone. You know, I, I think of your cell phone or your computer. You have no concept what that, all the things that can do for you. And, you know, every once in a while people come, oh, did, you know, did you know that you can, like, talk it and it'll give you directions? Yeah, I did. You know, it's really fun to watch somebody go from a flip phone to a smartphone. Okay? Um, because they're like, ah, you know, uh, uh, because all of a sudden you start to realize it, you know, you start to realize, again, they can make your life more complicated, but they can also make your life a whole lot simpler, you know, and, and, and our world right now. And, and, and I know how some of you feel, so I, you don't have to do this. I'm a big Alexa fan. Alexa and I are, my wife thinks she's as creepy as all get out. Um, and my wife said, but you know, it was like the other day, I, I'm at a point now, my shopping list is on Alexa. It's awesome. You know? So I was outside and, and I was like, oh yeah, I need to add that to the shopping list. Literally I'm outside. I yell so that, cause I have one and I have like four of them in the house, five of them. Um, I, I yell so that it can hear it. 
I'm outside on my porch yelling, going, Alexa, add oil to the shopping list. You know, and I can hear her, you know, oil has been added to your shopping list. Uh, and it's great because then when I go into town, I don't, I don't have to carry a piece of paper. I don't have any, I just put Alexa and it tells me my shopping list. And I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. I needed that. I love the convenience of that. You know, I was over Josh and Alex and we were doing some work in a basement. You know, they have theirs. You guys do the Google. Yeah, you do the Google one. Um, they have theirs connected. So we're in a basement. I think Alex and I were doing something in the basement. Josh went upstairs to work on something upstairs. And Alex goes, what do you call it? Broadcast? Broadcast. Yeah, they're like, uh, what's its name? Google. Google, broadcast, whatever. And now Josh is talking to her back and forth like an intercom system. And they looked at me and they went, you know, yours will do that too. I'm like, I, I, I just don't know how yet. I'll figure it out. But it's one of those things where, for me, I like it because it makes something simpler. And, and for some of you, here's the thing. Paul writes to these people, he says, you need to understand the riches of his grace that you have accessible to you. You need to understand the power of God that you have accessible to you. For the things that you're struggling with, you don't understand how much power you have available. Um, and, and, and so Paul writes to them so that they understand that. So for instance, when, and again, put this all together for a second. If you take the idea that the riches are for me, um, then I have access to them. If you take the idea that the, that my life is to be enhancing God, glorifying God, then it works both ways. Let me put it together for you. So for instance, think about it for a minute. Um, you go into work tomorrow and everybody's griping and complaining and whining about this and about that and about that. Now, now, now let me ask something. Do you automatically go to, I want to be thankful and grateful for my job and tell everybody how wonderful place this is to work? When you're surrounded by people griping, mumbling, and complaining, what, what do you want to do? You know? But wait a minute. Stop and think about it for a minute. What happens if, by the power of God, with the help of God, you have enough courage and backbone to stand up and go, you know what, guys? You know what, girls? There's a lot of people that would give anything to get paid what we get paid. Oh, they're gonna, that's going to make them all. No, no, no. They're going to they're respect you for having the courage to be able to stand up for something. Okay, let's get really practical. You're at a ball game. The umpire, honestly, honestly, it is the worst call in the history of the sport. Um, yeah. People are just going nuts, yelling and screaming at the, at, the, at, the ref, at the umpire. And you stand up and say, hey, he's doing the best he can. Leave him alone. Let's get him more personal. The call was on your kid. See, we have an opportunity to show something different to the world. When everybody's griping and complaining, we have an opportunity to pray. When we are faced with discouraging, overwhelming circumstances, we have an opportunity 
to show joy. When you're at that family gathering, and you know how it goes, somebody says something about somebody else, and then you got these two people, now they're going to that corner of the property, and they're going to that corner of the property, and nobody wants to do, and everybody wanting to edit everybody else, and yet for you to step in and show love to all of them and not choose sides. How about the opportunity when you have to show patience when you want an answer and you want an answer now? You see, you go, well, that, that's not normal. Exactly. That's going to require something supernatural. Exactly. I don't have the ability in myself to do that. Exactly. That's not the world, that's not the way the world does it. Exactly. Because we are different. Because our goal is to glorify Christ. Our goal, because think about this for a minute. We're in a culture and we're in a world in which people don't see the glory of God anymore. You go back 100 years in America, in the agrarian culture, where people worked outside all the time. They could tell you what stars look like. People today, they can't. First of all, we got lights everywhere to drown it all out. Secondly, nobody looks up anymore. You know, unless it's on a cell phone, they don't see it. And so all of a sudden we have people who are going, well, I'm going to go take a vacation. And they go to some fantastic place like the Grand Canyon and go, wow, this is really awesome. Look at how glorious this is. And they go to a beach somewhere and say, oh, it's so cool here. And, 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 and that's about the only time they experience anything glorious anymore. Anything supernatural. And yet we have an opportunity every day to go into our world and show them the power of God to do things differently and supernaturally in such a way that they see God in us. That's the idea. Christ in us. We are in Christ. So people see the glory of God in our lives as we respond in ways. That's what Paul's saying. And and here's the crazy thing. When you look at this passage, Paul is not praying that they would get this power. Paul is praying that they would understand they have this power. Paul is saying to you and I, look, you don't, need to, you don't need to pray for it. You just need to access it. You just need to understand that in that situation that you're in right now, that you have the ability and the power with the help of God to handle it in such a way that the world sees Christ in you. That's what Paul's saying. And he's going to these Ephesian people, these people at Ephesus, who were practicing witchcraft and all of these other occult practices, who put their faith and trust in Christ, got rid of all of that stuff, living differently. And as they're living differently, what happens? People start attacking them. People start tearing them down. People start trying to hinder them. And they get discouraged. Like I said last week, this group of people who, in Ephesians chapter 1, are encouraged for their love, in a book of Revelation, have abandoned it. And they've lost their first love. And Paul's saying, look, I don't want that to happen to you. So four years past him getting there, he's writing these people and saying, look, access what you have in God. Understand so that people can see God in your life. And here's what I would say. One of the big purposes for what you're going through right now is to be able to help other people who are going to be going down that road one day too. And you go, well, you know, because, you know, I learned a long time ago. I learned a long time ago 
the best people to help people are people who've been through it. So when I have somebody come to me and they go, you know what, I'm really struggling here with my marriage. I say, you know what, I got all kinds of people that I can hook you up with to talk to because they can tell you far better than I can because they've been down your road before. When I have people who are struggling with alcohol, I can say, hey, look, I've got people I can hook you up with who have been down that road. Because here's the reality. You can lie to me and you can manipulate me, but I've learned it's really tough for an alcoholic to manipulate and lie to another alcoholic. They see right through it. And I've watched people who are struggling with their kids and I'm able to go, hey, look, you know what? You need to go talk to so-and-so. And they can help them. There's nobody better to help people with loss than people who've been through loss. There's nobody better than to, and by the way, to help people who are going through tough health issues than to talk to people who've been through tough health, health issues. Why? Because Paul says, the idea is the comfort with which you've been comforted, you're able to comfort others. And you go, well, I, you know, I just signed up for the whole Christian thing to be easy. <laughs> you've got to go find another Christian thing because that's not the Christian thing of the Bible. The Christian thing of the Bible says, you know what? God wants to use you and be glorified in your life. And so, you know what? It's not going to be an easy road. But as you go through stuff, people can see Christ in you. And then the other thing is this, and he ends this way with this idea of God as authority. Because again, in this, in this, in this Hellenistic world that these people in Ephesus were in, it was always this God's mad at this God and this God's better than this God and this God. And Paul was able to step in and say, let me tell you something. The God that you worship, he's above it all. In fact, he's in control of it all. And in fact, Satan's on a leash. Have you ever thought of that concept? That Satan's on a leash. Go back to the book of Job. Satan's on a leash. And you go, yeah, but this is, what I'm going through is just so overwhelming. No, you don't understand. God knows you. God's not going to push you past what he knows you can handle with his power and his grace. And God knows the impact that your life will have on other people. I've often said those who have gone through some of the hardest things, the reality of it is, when you, when you talk to them, when you pull them aside, and when you look, get, peel back some of the layers of, protection that they have and you really get to their heart here's what I've learned they don't understand the depth to which God has used their life because most of them are incredibly humble people who just simply sit back and go you know what somehow I got through it and God helped me through it and there is a genuineness and an authenticity and a tenderness about them that reaches people at a level most of us can't touch people. And they have no idea how many people are watching and looking to them for strength and help and hope because of the way they are handling the situations in life. And the reality of it is only eternity will show the impact of their testimony. Because they are doing the best they can to honor and glorify God in spite of everything that's going on. 
And I want to challenge all of us to be those kind of people. That whatever you, because here's the bottom line this week. God's going to bring people into your life who need to see the glory of God. They need to see Christ. They need to see hope. They need to see a different way of living than everyone around them is. Because everyone around them is not helping them. But we have the opportunity to do that. And that's why Paul writes this to these people. He says, I pray, my prayer is that you will understand this. My prayer is that you will have insight to realize God wants to use you. He has given you the power and his riches and everything to be able to do that. And you've got to let him do that this week. So I end with this. I end with the idea that Paul prays for their eyes to be opened, that they would understand four key things. They are reminded that they have a hope in Christ, that they have access to his riches, they have access to his power, and they serve a God who sits on the throne and is in control. God wants to use each of us this week that the world would see his power in our lives. So may the world see Christ in us. Let's pray. God, help us. Lord, it is so easy to focus on our circumstances and our situation and not to see the big picture. Lord, it's so easy to focus on our affliction, which to us is so heavy, and miss the idea that, Lord, you are working something far greater than we could ever imagine. Lord, it's easy sometimes to put our focus on the here and now. But, Lord, may you give us insight and wisdom to understand that, Lord, you had a plan before uh, for us long before we were even thought of. So, Lord, use us. And as we go into our lives this week and as we are faced with circumstances where we want to react, May we act in a way that honors you. May people see Christ in all that we say and do this week. These things we ask in your name. Amen.